You're listening to the weekly message at Mosaic Church. For more information or to talk about your own life in Christ, email info at mosaicchurchevans.org. If you'd like to support our ministry, visit our website at mosaicchurchevans.org. Thanks for listening. And now, this week's message. So as Taylor said today, and for the next six weeks, we're going to be talking about the art of worship. And one of our priorities this year as a church is to think intentionally about how we at Mosaic enter into worship. Never mind how everybody else is doing it. You hear me? Never mind how everybody else is doing it. What you've seen online or any place else. How do we, how does this community with the people we have in this room enter into worship that pleases and fulfills God? How do we enter in? Here's what I believe about worship. This is my definition. And in fact, because uh, worship is, um, I'm sorry, because the best way to engage the message is with something in your, something to write on with your Bible open. We're going to be in uh, Exodus chapter 33. I'll get it together here in a minute. Exodus chapter 33 is where we're going to be. The best way to engage is with something to write on and write with. And this can be your first note, the first note you take. Worship is what wells up from our souls and cries out to what is more perfect than us. That's worship. Worship is what wells up from our souls and cries out to what is more perfect than us. And that's what you've been doing. Worship is an art form, not a science. It's highly personal, but not necessarily or even usually private. So over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about worship from multiple angles. Worship that humbles our hearts, that, sa- that sacrifices, that expects. Worship that extends God's heart. Worship that starts at home. And each week we're going to try some new things like we did today. And we will remember some old things and we'll listen for God to show us how he is pleased to have us worship with him and have us worship him. How does God call us into worship? Or how does his presence among us uh, inspire worship? So we're going to focus on the art of worship. We're going to do our best to shake the snow globe a little bit. And so that maybe you can find a, 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 we can find a fresh collective voice um, in worship that, that stirs our hearts and blesses the kingdom of God. So today we begin with worship that treasures God's presence. And here's what I want to say to you. I want to say that everything in life, everything in life is an invitation into awe and wonder. Everything in life is an invitation into awe and wonder. Everything, the good, the bad, the messy, the encouragements and disappointments, all of it is an invitation into awe and wonder because everything, everything is an invitation into intimacy with God. And by intimacy, I'm talking about a closeness with God that treasures his presence, a right posture before God that both reveres his godness and recognizes our com- that our completeness is found in our proximity to his presence. And the story that takes us there today is one of my favorites. It's the story of when Moses talks to God face to face. It's in Exodus chapter 33. I've always loved the scene between Moses and God. 
When Moses gets nervous about the task he has in front of him, and, and it, you know, he's got to see these people across the desert and into the land God has promised them. It's a huge task for a man whose resume up to this point has been that he murdered a guy, spent a lot of years being a shepherd, and did a couple of things kind of in your face with a leader. That's his resume. The whole thing is so messy. I mean, think about it. You had a hard time getting you and your family in the car this morning without an argument. Am I right, parents, or am I right? If not today, it's happened. Every school day of the year, it happens. Zach and I were just talking about this before worship. How many times you have to tell a teenager or a young person to wake up before they actually get up out of the bed? <laughs> See Paula for parenting tips after the service. Imagine doing what you do every morning with your kids a hunt with 120,000 people every day. Trying to get in and up and out and, and moving forward. Even God got irritated with the people. He told Moses, no, you go. You take the people. If I go, I will probably kill them. <laughs> Who here had that conversation around Christmas about gatherings? <laughs> you go ahead. I'm done. But Moses will have none of that. He tells the God of the universe, the God of their salvation, no way, God, these are your people. They're not my people. If you don't go, how will anybody know that these are your people? What will make us any different from all the other crazies out there? And that's where the story is when we get to Exodus chapter 33. So look at verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anybody inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. There are things I just love about that one verse. Moses is done, but he does exactly the right thing. He picks up his tent and he carries it to the outside the camp where he can deal with God face to face, which is a wonderful thing to me, both parts of that, taking your tent out, dealing with God face to face. He took his tent out because outside the camp is where you find people with contagious diseases. Outside the, tent, the, the camp is where the, the enemies are. Later on in the story of God, we'll discover that outside the tent is where people get crucified. Beyond the walls, the outer wall of the, or sorry, the outer court of the temple is where the, the women and the messed up people were. I'm sure that's not the reason Moses picked up his tent and took it outside the camp so he could deal with God, but it blesses me to think that Moses dealt with God in the exact same place that God dealt with us the day he proved his love for us. Outside the camp where the sinners and the broken people are. Say amen if you are a sinner or a broken person. Something else I want to notice as we walk through this story. It begins with this very personal practice of a man who is carrying quite the burden. Moses picks up his tent and he carries it outside the, the camp. He's desperate. He is looking for God's manifest presence, his personal presence, Emmanuel, God with us. He's in search of the place where intimacy breeds. The story tells us he's developed a practice of this, maybe because Moses gets it. I get it. That these treks with my tent outside the camp, they, they only stick if I 
if it's a discipline for me, right? Having a regular discipline of seeking the Lord has to become an obsession if you expect to find the Lord regularly when you seek the Lord. Do you hear what I'm saying? Richard Foster says this. I quote this all the time. The desperate need today is not for a great number of intelligent people or gifted people, thanks be to God, but for deep people. We all have equal access to that possibility. I cannot overstress the importance of practicing intimacy, the place where personal worship is cultivated because it is in the personal worship of a transcendent God that Moses becomes aware of God's presence. So think about this. Manifest presence of God is Emmanuel, God with us. Transcendent presence of God is omnipresence. That's God everywhere. But do you understand? You have to understand, you have to engage in the manifest presence of God if you really want to understand the, the transcendent presence of God. Look at verse 10. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to that tent, that Moses would take outside the camp. They would all stand and worship, each at the, the entrance to their tent. So Moses' Moses' worship inspired the, the worship of other people. I want you to hear that, parents, that your worship will inspire your children's worship. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. Underline that face to face as one speaks to a friend. And then Moses would return to the camp. But his young aide Joshua, son of, Num, uh, of Nun, did not leave that tent. He didn't, he didn't even leave the place face to face. You know, Paul says to, to the Corinthians in chapter 13, in that end of that long uh, poem on love, he says, right now we see through a mirror dimly, but eventually we're going to see face to face. And Moses saw face to face, like all of a sudden things were not like what they were supposed to be. I have to tell you what happened this morning. This morning I, I, I get up real early on Sunday mornings and I take a shower before Steve's not up yet and... Um, so um, we're, I, I'm, I'm in the shower, door closed, there's no ventilation. I don't like to turn the ventilation on because I don't, I just keep the noise as low as possible. So when I get out of the shower, uh, Sunday mornings, the, the mirror is what? It's all fog steamed up, right? So I'm in there this morning, take a whole shower, open the, the curtain, and the, the mirror has no fog on it. None at all. It's not even wet. I want some scientist in the room to explain how that happens. Paula, how does that happen? <sighs> it was bizarre. Like I'm looking at it thinking I must be seeing that wrong. Because, you know, always I have to get out, wipe the, so I can see myself. It was like all of a sudden that mirror dimly thing was gone and I could see clearly. And I'm wondering if God's trying to say something to me. I'm taking it as a sign. I'm trying to figure it out. It's why the deep is so important, why we've, we're called to that place of intimacy first if we want to understand the power of worship. It's so our eyes can adjust and begin to see more clearly what the world basically sees dimly. All right, look at verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, 
I like this. This is my favorite part of my favorite story. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you're sending with me. You've said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. But if you're pleased with me, you teach me your way so I can know you and continue to find favor with me. You remember, these are your people, not my people. Intonation is implied. Pete Gregg, who talks on this, he, he, his whole life is prayer. He actually started a 24-7 prayer movement back in the 90s, and it is still going today, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They have been praying for decades, not missing a moment of prayer. And so he spends his time all, going all over the world talking about prayer and opening 24-7 prayer centers. And, um, and the whole time, his, his wife, Sammy, has been dealing with a decades-long um, illness a, a, a real issue. Here they are, literally traveling the world, talking about prayer, doing, spending countless hours in prayer themselves, seeing miraculous things happen to other people, and yet Sammy, her condition's never healed. Pete said one day he was so frustrated and in such pain over his wife's pain that he railed at God. He said, never mind your will, I'm telling you my will today. And he flat out told God what he desperately needed. Some time passed, and he, you know, got his emotions under control, and, and, he, and he remembered that conversation with God, and he asked him, he said, what was that like for you, that conversation? You remember when I told you I wanted to know my will, not yours? Was that detestable? Was that unholy? And he, he distinctly heard the Lord say, I loved that you wanted to fight for your wife. That's manifest presence. That's the transcendent God coming close, meeting us at the point of our need, inspiring our devotion by his compassion, his wisdom, his faithfulness. Listen, I'm serious. I'm telling you everything, everything in life is an invitation into awe and wonder. Everything. Verse 14. And then the Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. <laughs> there it is. I can't add anything to that. I just want to say to you over the thing that most disturbs you in your life right now, can you hear the voice of God saying, I might not fix it, but my presence will go with you. And if you'll rest in me, I'll give you rest. Can you hear it right now? Can you hold that thing in your hand in front of you and let the Lord speak over that thing that is so frustrating, feels so stuck, and hear him say, my presence will go with you. I'll give you rest. And then verse 18, then Moses said, oh, no, no, listen, I want you to show me your glory. That's 33 18, Moses says, show me your glory. This thing you've asked for, I'll do it. I'll go with you. I'll go with you. God says, but Moses says, that's not enough. I need you to show me your glory. And that's surely what God was after all along. He was waiting for Moses to let go of his needs, to let go of his wants, to care nothing but for the glory of God. 
It's the prayer of deep people right there. He wants, to, he wants the moment when he can see face to face, when the window becomes unfogged, when he can look at hard things and see nothing but the glory of God in them. Show me your glory. Last week, I, I grabbed hold of the story of Leah and Rachel. They are the both wives of Jacob. Jacob, Jacob was a husband to both of them, but, but Rachel was his clear favorite. And Leah felt it. She felt the rejection. Leah was not the favored wife in this polygamous world, but, he, but, but Leah was the one having the babies. Rachel was not. And we can hear... We can hear Leah's hurt in every name she gives for a child. We hear it in the names of her children, those first three babies. You can just hear her deep longing for acceptance. Reuben, because the Lord has seen my misery, surely my husband will love me now. Simeon, because the Lord heard I am not loved, he gave me this one too. Levi. Now at last my husband will become attached to me. Can't you just hear the pain in those names? The hurt, the, the agenda, the please, 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 God, please, please, please make the pain go away. Please, 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 please make the pain go away. Please take this thing from me. Please, God. And then the fourth child. And you can hear the breakthrough in Leah's name for him, Judah, which means this time, I'm just going to praise the Lord. <laughs> and that's it. Now she's ready to come to God, not for what he can do for her, but just for him. Now she's single-minded. There's no agenda but praise. It makes me think about that song by Katie and, and uh, Brian Torwalt, Praise Before My Breakthrough. I want you to put that in your phone and listen to it on the way home. Praise before my breakthrough. This is, this is the lyrics of the, the first part of it. I know, I know the tension of the now. I don't always understand. I don't always get to see everything. When I'm holding up my hands, when I'm counting every breath, Lord, all I need to know is you choose me. You choose me. And so I'll praise before my breakthrough till my song becomes my triumph. I'll sing because I trust you. I will bring my heart. I will lift my song. And I suspect that's exactly where most of us need to get as we step into the art of worship, to that place where there is no agenda attached to our awe and wonder to that place where we can believe that everything in life is an invitation into awe and wonder. Lord, show me your glory in my mess, in my pain, in my confusion, in my unanswered questions, in my hurt and disillusionment. Lord, show me your glory. <clears throat> you have to wonder if Moses ever expected to get a yes from that prayer request. <laughs> but he did. God said, I'm going to pass by you and give you a glimpse. I'll show you my face. You won't be able to survive it, but I'll pass by you, and I'll give you a taste of my glory. And so he tells Moses, chisel out some, some new tablets. They've broken the first ones. Bring them up on this mountain, and you stand here, and I will pass by you. And then God defines his glory as he passes by. 
the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. And frankly, I tried every possible way to cut off that last verse because that doesn't sound very fun. But he's not a just God if he's not just in every direction. It's the glory of God that he is just. It's his very character on display. All those things we praised and prayed into earlier, the servants, his magnificence, his wisdom and power, his beauty, but also his righteousness, his holiness, his justice. And when Moses was confronted by all of it, he fell to his knees. The word is shaka in Hebrew. It literally means to bow down, shaka. It literally means to fall to your knees. And in fact, it's the coolest thing, this Hebrew word. It's got three letters, and the first letter is the one letter God uses for his name. It's got a very Trinitarian look to it, this letter. And the last letter is hands raised, which means that worship, pure worship from an Old Testament beginning of our story perspective is literally bowing down, falling prostrate straight on the floor, hands in the air, with nothing but God in our vision. Just the glory of God. Worship, as explained to us in the scriptures, is a whole body experience. And you'll have to notice what's missing from that definition. There's no greeting time. There's really no singing. There's no teaching. There's no um, passing the plate. There's, there's no high-five or handshake each other. All those things are great when a group of people get together, but worship, pure worship, is to bow down in a, in, a, in a posture of submission, an act of humility and submission to a higher power. It is giving all of us, our whole being, to the God who has given all for us. That book that... Uh, Taylor quoted in the, in the um, call to worship this morning by uh, J. Kim. He says this. He studied churches all over the globe um, to figure out what worship looked like. Like, what's the common threads of worship all over the globe? And, and he discovered that minimal resources plus a strong sense of community plus awareness of their need for Jesus equals a transcendent worship experience. Let me say that again. Minimal resources plus a strong sense of community plus awareness of, their need for, of, of our need for Jesus equals a transcendent worship experience. Kim discovered that in every place where there was trust, a sense of shared community, and an invitation to engage in, participate in awe and wonder, in every place where those elements existed, there was worship. And he discovered kind of a, the opposite of what we mostly find online. It's substance, not spectacle. 
Authentic worship is not about doing what everybody else is doing. It's, it's our search, our search, your search, my search for the holy. It's our search for the holy, and that's an art, not a formula. Authentic worship comes from inside of us. And what it does inside of us, it right-sizes us. <laughs> Allows us to figure out, there is a God and I'm not him. Worship is what wells up from our souls and cries out to what is more perfect than us. And there's Moses chiseling out tablets, climbing a mountain, seeking the glory of God. And when he finds it, he bows down and he worships. Before he can move these people to another inch across the desert they're stuck in, he has to have this moment. He needs this moment. And every week, friends, every week, we are invited into that very same moment. Before we move, whoever we're trying to move from one place to another, or whatever situation we're trying to move from one place to another, we are invited every week to take our tent and set it outside the camp and look for the glory of God. Every week we do this together. Every day you can do this in your own quest for the manifest presence of God. Tyler Statton says, before you utter a request, before you confess a sin, before you pray for the need of another, before you ask for deliverance or protection, remember who it is you're praying to and the story you're living in. Because as you do, your prayers will be redefined and your living will be redefined. Everything in my life is an invitation to awe and wonder. Will you stand? Everything in my life is an invitation to awe and wonder. So this moment is an invitation into awe and wonder. And I wonder right now, you know, I've, I've been thinking about as I've been, I think I get so excited about this stuff because Somehow, I just feel that every, all the holes in my life will be full. I just can see it. They'll all be plugged when I get in the presence of God. <laughs> yeah, I've mentioned before, in three different towns, three different places, people have said, your name in the heavenlies is praise. I think it's not your name in the heavenlies is pitch perfect singing. Your name in the heavenlies is praise. And I just feel it when I come before God and I just focus on him, not for what he can do for me, but because the weight of his glory is so beautiful. It's like everything else gets right-sized. I'm not God. He is. I'm not perfect. He is. My search for something more perfect than me comes into clear focus. The fog comes off the mirror and I can rest <laughs> it's the one place I rest and so Lord, Lord Jesus I pray for my friends here that in this moment we're, we're seeking your glory God we're asking you for glory to fall down on this place in this time right now we are seeking your glory with all that's in us and not not in a not in a, an oppressed or angry or but 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 in a from a joyful life 
looking, life-seeking place, we are coming to you and saying, God, show us your glory. And let the weight of it fall, God, on every single life in this room. Let the weight of your glory fall. On every single life in this room, let the weight of your glory fall. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our message. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you. Visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information. May God bless your day.